the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The end of the law for righteousness again. It's amazing to take a look at the Old Testament book of Jonah and come away with the gospel, which is exactly what we're doing today here on Way of Grace with our teacher and pastor, Jesse Gastan. Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Hi there. Welcome to our time together today. We are in the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. We'll also spend some time in Romans, chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. The end of the law for righteousness again is the title of our message. It's our final look at Jonah as we close out a look at this amazing minor prophet. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Now, when I say that he was bent on a hypocritical request, this is what I want you to get. He asked to die. He said, I'd rather die than live, verse 3. Do you see it? Then God messed with him again. I'll get into that more fully over in verse 9. And God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the gourd? He says, I do well to be angry even under death. (laughs) Jonah was ready to check out. He was ready to check out. When we have brothers and sisters in that kind of sphere of hypersensitivity and low ebbed view of life, you and I have to become extremely prayerful. And you can learn some lessons from God, right? You really can. This would take up too much time because we want to see people get in the water while the water is nice and warm. Um, um, But I want you to listen to how God deals gingerly with his servant. Notice that God is not going after Jonah to unpack his theology. Notice he's not arguing with Jonah on an intellectual level. Notice that what he is about to do with Jonah is hedge Jonah into a position to help Jonah understand the lack of priority that is engaged in his feelings. When your feelings take over, you will misprioritize your responsibilities. Am I making sense? Right. It's so important for you to get that. And God's not going to use a bunch of words. He's going to use some some nature to do it. And we're going to understand the gospel in that. Why do I say that Jonah is engaging in a hypocritical request? I say that because he's asking to die. The problem is, is that his asking to die is rooted in a wrong motive. It's rooted in a wrong premise. It's rooted in a wrong uh, confidence or a promise. He should be asking to die, but not to die physically. He should be asking to die because everybody that God has saved from chapter one to chapter four had to die. Like everybody got to die if you're going to live again. If you're going to be saved, you got to die to self. If you're going to be saved, you got to see your death in the son of the living God. If you're going to be saved, God has to kill you and raise you again from the dead. Am I making some sense? 
Right. So he should be asking to die, but only in this sense that his eyes would be opened up to God's glory so that he could see what God was doing and then ask to be made compatible to it. Because every true prophet has already written the sentence of death in themselves when they go to serve God. You can't preach to hellbound sinners and proud men and women and individuals who look at you like they did with Jeremiah. Remember what God told Jeremiah, don't even look at their faces. They're going to be growling and slobbing and their fangs going to come out. And Jeremiah was a young brother. God told Jeremiah, put some shades on so when you preach to them, you don't have to look at their face. In other words, when you are actually doing ministry the way you're called to do it, you're dying daily. And if you're not, you're going to be a man pleaser. And as our elder put it, you'll bring a snare to your soul. You can never minister to eternity bound souls in a way that can lead them to life unless you're willing to die for the gospel. Am I making some sense now? Listen to it. Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 24 and 25. Then said Jesus, uh, Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will do what? Now we all say we're following Jesus. Okay, that's cool. Notice what he says. Let him do what? The last thing that Jonah was doing was denying himself. God had to drag that knucklehead boy, like we said, right, and bring him from the opposite direction and sovereignly bring him through the deep waters and cast him on the grounds and shores of Nineveh, didn't he? All Jonah was doing was loving himself. Remember what I taught you? He took it personal, didn't he? He took that assignment personal instead of realizing, you know what? God knows something I don't know. Maybe it would be just better for me to co-labor together with God and see what the outcome would be. But listen, saints, that's easier said than done. Like every time that God tells you and me to do something, I guarantee you're asking whether or not it's inconvenient, whether or not you have time for God. That's why most people never do God's will in total because they don't have time for God. And often what God is asking for is inconvenient. And then God is certainly asking for you to die. Like every time we're engaged in enterprises in the church, you're being called to actually ask yourself, do you have time for God? You're being called to ask yourself whether or not this is an inconvenience. You're being called to ask whether or not you're willing to die for Christ. Getting ready to come up with our men's meeting getting ready to come up with our women's theology class. All y'all women are getting ready to get asked whether or not you're willing to spend time with God and one another. See what I'm getting at? So when God calls on you, most people don't have time because you got to die to self. And Jonah wanted to die, but what Jonah wanted to do was avoid his responsibility. Am I making sense? All he wanted to do was avoid his responsibility. So I've said it, Jonah or Jesus, now I'm making the application, I'm raising the mirror. Sometimes we're more like Jonah than we are like Jesus. Just tell the truth, you honest people ain't going to hell. Just tell the truth. Y'all see what I'm getting at? You see when you allow the spirit of God, which is the candle of the soul of man, to examine the heart. In reality, we are often wrestling with God way more. We know how to outwardly tell folks how much we're committed to God. But in reality, it's not the truth. When we micromanage this text, everything about Jonah's assignment, yes, was inconvenient. Yes, it required his time. And it definitely required him dying. And you see how patient God was with him? patient with him. Point number two, Jonah was perched 
to see a judgment and he was judging. That's totally wrong. He should have never made that judgment upon the children of Nineveh because Nineveh had become saved. Nineveh was a group of saved men and women. Were they not? Were they not chosen of God in Christ? Did not God do a work of grace in their life? Were they not even more Jews to Jonah than Jonah's own Jewish brethren? Somebody say amen. Amen. So when you understand that, what you understand is blood is not thicker than water. When you understand that race is not stronger than grace. Let it come home. Let it come home. Let it come home. God has a people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. And they've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're heirs and joint heirs with the master. And they come from every ethnic group, every color, every dimension, every socioeconomic stratum. Everyone. Yeah. True brethren based upon a savior who is high and lifted up for whom it's clear he's the mediator of all mankind. And if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature, a new creation. And the moment we start owning that we are new creations, God liberates us from the confinements of our shallow interpretations of what is significant to us. I know it hurts, but it's the God honest truth. See, what you and I should be rejoicing in in the book of Jonah is how God saved the whole nation. Now, he's going to tell you why in a minute. Under point number two, so Jonah's perched to judge, but God was preparing to do what? Oh, don't we love that God? Oh, I'm so glad God's mercy don't run out. I have pushed God's mercy for years, have you? I have pushed the mercy. And I go into the bank and I go, oh, I sure hope some mercy still left. I pull a lever, tons of mercy fall out. Yet and still. Yet and still. Yet and still. God is a God of mercy, but he doesn't give me his mercy in order for me to presume upon him or to act contrary to character. He gives me mercy to keep it moving in the direction in which he wants me to go. Y'all do understand that, right? Mercy is in order for us to keep it moving with our God. And so the text is clear. We can really look at some uh, psychoanalysis, some really good theological uh, investigation of our brother Jonah under, uh, under uh, verse number uh, three. I'm going to start here. I'm sorry. I'm going to start at verse number four. Then said the Lord, do you do well to be angry? So Jonah, and so when God made that statement, this is what we call a um, rhetorical statement. God did not need an answer from Jonah. I want you to get that. All God was saying to Jonah was, I see that you're angry. Okay. Now Jonah walks out of the city, doesn't even answer God. God is merciful. Listen to me, child of God. God talking to you, you won't listen to him. My children know they got to leave the house. If I tell them to come here and they don't come, you better go get in your car, go drive to another city. What do you mean you're not going to answer me when you live in my house, eat my food, wear my clothes, sleep in my room? How are you going to not answer me? God is so good to us. Is he good to us or what? 
Now, it seemed like Jonah didn't get the lesson of chapter two, Craig. He just didn't get it. God took him swimming and drowned him. Right? God took him swimming and drowned him. And that's when he called on the Lord. I said, Lord, have mercy. Save me, Lord. The Lord brought him out the water. He started breathing again. Now he wants to act the fool again. Somebody tell me whether or not God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances. <laughs> now, quite frankly, we love this God because we know that we did something crazy many years ago. And that is we decided to have children. Right. And then, and then we kind of we kind of start thinking after they started growing up, I must have been insane. But what we know is the same God that was patient with us. Must be patient with them. And it tries our faith to wait on God to save them in the same way he saved us. Y'all get that? So this is what you're going to see is the whole reason for which God saved Nineveh was not for the grown folk in Nineveh, but the babies, which is a lesson for us. Why our hearts should not be so hard about what's going on with the children, because we are a mess. Right. So now watch this. Now, the text is going to be laid out under seven really serious uh, sub points. God was preparing to show mercy. Jonah goes on out. Verse five, and he he sits on the side of the east side of the city. He has to be perched up high enough to see. And there he made him a booth. Now, he made him a booth. It's a little wooden shed just to rest in a little wooden shed, chopping down some bamboo and all that. You brothers who are from the Middle East, you know what that is. He made a shed. Now, this shed was not adequate, but it's going to teach us something because he was he was going to be there for the whole 40 days. Y'all understand that? Now, we know he only took three days to walk through the city. So there's maximum. Y'all know y'all, y'all math? Y'all know how to, I know you're from, do you know your math? There's a maximum of 37 days. He got to sit there and wait. Isn't that right? Now, you know you angry when you want to sit for 37 days in a strange country to watch your enemy go down. Is that right? But God don't mind because God has all eternity. He can work with Jonah because he's going to teach you and me some lessons as well about controlling your anger. So what we come to discover is Jonah goes out, sits on the side of the city, and he goes to work building a booth. Okay, now watch what the text tells us. The text tells us over in uh, uh, the latter part of verse 5, and he sat under it in the shadow thereof until he might see what would become of the city. He built the booth as a shadow to cover his head. Because it was hot at that time, extremely hot in the Middle East, extremely hot in the Palestinian, uh, Palestinian area, extremely hot in the Assyrian area where the Ninevites are. You guys know where that is. The Assyrian area up north, a little past Israel, extremely hot. So he's building a shed to cover his head. Now watch what God does. I want you to see how God is using therapy to get to Jonah. This will help you guys who are partly therapists. Look at this. Verse six says, and the Lord God prepared a gourd. Do you see it? And he made it to come up over no one else but Jonah. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? So God now is responding to Jonah in kind. I want you to see how this goes because he's going to teach Jonah a lesson. Since Jonah don't want to understand and extract from God's character that he's a God of mercy, 
with a right principle behind it, he's going to teach Jonah by this lesson. This is an object lesson for you and me. Notice what he said. So, uh, but God, uh, God, uh, the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his what? See it? God sees that Jonah is grieving. And what God does for Jonah is make a gourd to come up over the boot that Jonah was under. So Jonah would not be experiencing the burden of the heat of the day. God is merciful. All right. So I'm going to give you this little window and then I'm going to close it. He's merciful to us even in our rebellion. Close the window. Let's keep moving. Don't test God. Okay. He's, I just want you to get that, all right? Don't go out. I'm going I'm to I'm act rebellious against God because I want to see his mercy. You might, you might not, but he's showing Jonah mercy because he's going to discipline Jonah, okay? And so now Jonah responds, which is really interesting. Notice what this last part says. So Jonah was exceedingly glad for the gourd. Wow! You and I have been rolling with Jonah for about a month and a half. No joy until now. Y'all get what I'm talking about? I'm getting ready to help you. Getting ready to help you. Getting ready to help you. The mariners are saved. The Ninevites are saved. A whole nation is saved. And Jonah couldn't find joy in their salvation. He actually gets worse and worse. And then he builds a booth hoping that God would change his mind. God's not going to change his mind. When God determines to save you, you're going to be saved. But now all of a sudden, Jonah wants to be happy for a superficial, temporal, physical, non-personal entity that has no eternal value whatsoever. Get the lesson, child of God. Get the lesson, child of God. You can be saved and as carnal as a devil. Get the lesson, child of God. You can be saved and as carnal as a devil. We know Jonah's saved. We know it. We know he's a child of God. His head is on backwards right now. His value is in a gourd. Y'all got that? He actually is going to argue with God to die because the gourd is going to shrivel up. Did y'all get that? I mean, he talking to God. You see what I mean by him crossing the line into insanity? But the lessons are here for us to get because we could laugh about it. We shall not. You do know that God put that gourd up in a night and he took it down in a night to actually get Jonah's attention. Do y'all know that? You know, God knows how to do that. Can we, applications can run everywhere. God will give you a temporary comfort and that temporary comfort is for you to talk to God, but you won't. And then God got to take it away. Now you're complaining. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Is God good? He's real good. And the thing that God really wants to do with you and me is get our attention and he'll do it by letting you have things that are really not good for you in the long run. Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth. All right, you get to eat extra, extra piece of cake. I really want this to come home as we get ready to drill down in the redemptive application because it's coming. But see, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Is that true? Like our God doesn't change. He can't lie. He can't fail. He's going to be the way he is because he within himself is an absolute, immutable, unchangeable God. Everything about God is always right. 
So he can employ his principles all the time. In fact, that's the way we know him. God will be patient with us in our sinfulness. God will be patient with us in our rebellion. But God will be calling us to the responsibility of owning it, will he not? And that's what Jonah is really called to do. But he won't because Jonah is not a type of Christ in this pattern. He's a type of who? National Israel who has yet to repent and believe the gospel. Am I making some sense? Who has yet to repent and believe the gospel? As a nation, they're still under the wrath of God. Am I making some sense? As a nation, they still are rejecting the gospel. Does that come home, saints? And that's why Jonah is that model. And you and I want to work this out now. So Jonah is exceedingly glad for the gourd. And Jesus made it very plain that you and I should not seek after the material things of this world. They aren't the things that should make us glad. Now, God's going to provide for us and he must because we are temporal creatures. But that's not where we find our joy and nor is it where we find our assurance of a relationship with God. God will give devils tens of billions and trillions of dollars. Did you hear what I just stated? He'll give devils tens of billions and trillions of dollars. And when I say devils, I'm talking human devils. This is why the enemy said when he tested our master, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything that you would become super wealthy, prominent, powerful and so prodigious that everybody knows you. If, in fact, you have sold yourself out for material thing, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Now, we've heard it a thousand times and it should continue to be preached in the church in the exact way I'm doing it. Except we're not pointing the finger at people out there. We're pointing the finger at ourselves because you and I are constantly being tested with selling Christ out for material goods constantly being tested for selling Jesus out for prominence, for power, for prestige. Am I making some sense? Constantly. The church has collapsed into utter silence in this Western culture because it has capitulated up under prestige and power and wealth and money. It'll shut your mouth to worship. The devil means you got to shut your mouth about God. It's what we're learning about Hollywood right now. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Right. That's the price you pay. If you want to become prominent, you got to shut your mouth when it comes to the one true and living God. You got to shut your mouth when it comes to the truth of the gospel. You can call God your God, but God's not your God. And he's not declared to be the true and the living God until you keep God's character right, until you set forth the standards right, until you let the world know men and women are in trouble with God and will never make it until they bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And where you're not hearing that kind of God presented, it's a false God they're calling on. And Christians buy into that notion all the time. Oh, he's saved and she's saved and they're saved. No, they're not. Because this world is no home of grace. It's just not a home of grace. And I'm glad for it. Because see, when you get in trouble, what we come to discover is the only place you can go when you really, really get in trouble is to the true and the living God. That's what you come to discover. Watch it. Watch it. All right, here we go. I'm under point number, I'm under point number two to wrap this up. There's a sevenfold preparation in our text that you need to see has been going on. Uh, a part of it is uh, inferred by the way that God has actually opened up the book of Jonah. The first area in which 
God explicitly demonstrates a preparation in the language dynamic is back over in chapter one of Jonah in verse 17. Now the Lord did what? Prepared a great fish. Do you see it? God prepared a great fish. He prepared a great fish because he had to get Jonah to Nineveh. Remember what Jonah did? Jonah said, throw me overboard. What did they do? They threw him overboard. If God didn't send a fish, guess what Jonah was going to do? He was going to die. That fish saved Jonah. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.